The Cellcast is recorded in front of a live streaming audience. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Cellcast. Joining me today is a man who's just got a song in his heart. Welcome, Jacob. Rah, rah, rah. And here I expected you to go into Garth Brooks. <laughs> right, right, friends in race. Nice, nice. <laughs> you're welcome, you're welcome. Why, thank you. Let me introduce our co-host, a man who's just looking for a little bit of happiness and a side of troll. Welcome, Drew. Well, you know, when you're a hungry person... <laughs> you'll just you want, and you want something that's just a little bit sweet but not too sweet maybe you don't go for the pink one yeah that's true agreed you eat justin timberlake anyway <laughs> yeah, scary yeah that's a scary thought <laughs> that is scary. uh yeah so jacob uh you are the one who's been doing a lot of fun stuff yes. lately <laughs> how are you doing man i'm doing fantastic uh the the week itself has gone pretty well it's just uh, like I, I like I told my girlfriend, uh, hi actually, uh, I told her it's more just keeping nose to the grindstone because it's more trying to deal, trying to get away from drama at work that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, this past weekend, uh, me, uh, correction, my brother Jim, uh, my girlfriend Ashley, and I drove to Dallas to go see Garth Brooks in concert. Right, and uh, well, just, Arlington, yeah, Arlington, Arlington, Texas. And, uh, I know the DFW Metroplex is all kind of one giant city, but there are differences. There are differences. There are differences. So we we leave we leave uh, my hometown. We leave my hometown where we're do, where we're recording now, and um, well, not we're originally from Studio A. Originally from Studio A, the Studio, Studio A and Studio B are in the same apartment complex. So I, I think agree. you're good. I agree, but. So we leave for there. There again, I have been a huge Garth Brooks fan since I was a kid. Uh, probably 1994. 94 mm-hmm. when he did this Garth Brooks 2 from Texas Stadium. Um, Which isn't there anymore. No, it's not. But it's replaced by Jerry World or AT&T Stadium. Uh, so we drive up there and be like, just I just had stuff. a horrible thought. Oh, no. He said Jerry Jones World. Jerry World. Jerry World. Yeah. You realize you could also call it Jonestown. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was just came to my mind. Wow. Moving oh, on. Wow. <laughs> anyway, so we, we, we get to we get to the Airbnb where we're staying. We, you know, kind of gear down, drop the gear and head out to the stadium. That great. I'm totally cool. Totally fine. We get past security. We get, you know, the the tickets i paid for i uh, get them scanned walk in there's mm-hmm. an enormous uh advertisement for uh the anthology part two which is like the the uh the next five years after, i think it's like 1990 that would be 1996 97 mm-hmm. of garth brooks career and i'm just like i'm just like, like every oh, song I'm, in his career pretty or just much from from there from 1996 to 2001 okay yeah so and so I see that and I'm like, oh, okay, I finally made it. I finally made it. And uh, this has been like a 30 plus year journey to mm-hmm. get here. Uh, so I don't want to go too long in this. Uh, so back in the early 90s, 1990 actually, um, 
my dad had tickets to the top Texas rodeo in Jackson in Jacksonville, where we're from. And um, he had tickets for the concert. Garth was at the, he was going to be there, but unfortunately and sadly, my dad broke his back at work. Mm. And so we weren't, we couldn't go to the concert, which was like devastating. Right. He was like, wow, I've heard so much about this guy. And then I become a, like a big fan in ni- 1994, 95. So it took about 30 plus years to finally get to a concert. So we walk into 18 stadium, huge, massive stadium. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, I walk in there and all you see on this big jumbotron is the big G for Garth. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm here. So we get our, we spend two hours, almost two hours standing in line to get merch, you know, hint the shirt. Yes. And for those of you audio listeners, he is wearing a red Garth Brooks t-shirt. Yeah. World tour shirt. It says but, stadium tour, but yeah, yes. stadium tour. That's what I'm going to say. You know, stadium tour. Um, man, I wish it was the world tour. That'd been awesome. But um, this is probably the same concert. Uh, but anyway, yeah, either or. Don't get me started because I know a lot about this stuff. I know you do. Um, but still moving on. So we we get up to the the nose police section where if you're ever at AT and T Stadium, be like, this is a massive stadium, but you get good seating anywhere you're at, including nosebleed section. Mm-hmm. So I get there. We finally get to sit down and I just be like, I can't help myself. I just scream my bloody head off because <laughs> I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. For, so for the next uh, about two and a half, three hours, I'm screaming and singing along to every song that's played. And I absolutely loved it. Because like everything people say that Garth Brooks is in concert is magnified by a hundred, mm-hmm. and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed that. We we got done about midnight, uh, waited for the crowd to go to go down. We drove to the Airbnb, which took almost two thirty in the morning. Yeah, yeah, that was tiring. <laughs> but uh, to go eleven mi- eleven miles, yeah, eleven fifteen miles. Um, got there, got got to bed. Um, and we got up, uh, made breakfast, uh, went and did a few things around Arlington, and then drove back. And I was exhausted. Let's just say that. But it was probably, it was a bucket list check. It was a dream come true. It was a like, you know, that God allowed all these amazing little things to happen mm-hmm. in order this to happen. And uh, there, there was one thing that kind of I was so conflicted with the entire time that I'm, I'm in where I wanted to be when I was a kid. Yeah. And now I'm nearly 40. And I'm thinking if, if I had an opportunity, if I had the opportunity to go on a mission trip and you had this, you know, Garth Brooks at at t stadium, I would, I, I don't think I would be torn. I'd be like, I, I want to go serve the Lord. So I'd, I want to go on a mission trip. So the, the idea of be like, would I go serve the Lord on a mission trip? and miss a garth brooks concert i think i would i think honestly i would there's something to be said about uh idol worship <laughs> no, no no be like i don't think you heard me right okay did you say you would go to the garth brooks concert or no. you miss the garth brooks concert? i would miss the garth brooks that's concert. better that's a lot better yeah, i did miss the, hear you yeah okay <laughs> Yeah, like I, I think honestly i wouldn't miss the concert to go you know serve the lord okay good that, that's good yeah like so yeah, i was maybe, sitting there going Wait a minute, there's no way I heard him right. <laughs> yeah. Why I brought that up. Yeah, so exactly. So it it's is like we're gonna have a heart to heart here. Yeah. 
This, this is this was secretly an intervention, secret yeah, to everyone here. Come to Jesus moment. Yes, but uh, yeah, it was an amazing concert. Uh, I would highly recommend it. if you're like a country fan or like if, if back you, when they actually made country music. Yeah, that's true. That could be debatable. That could be debated in in some capacities. Uh, but it was no, just it like can't. they don't make country music anymore. They make twang pop. Moving on. Anyway. <laughs> I have opinions. I, I'm aware you have opinions. <laughs> um, uh, and also where you have an appendix. <laughs> opinions, appendix. Right. <laughs> Either or. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, I think he's got he's got one more leg of a tour in Houston. And then he's going to Ireland for like five for five concerts. And that's the end of the stadium tours. <laughs> Okay then, but uh, yeah, that was just absolutely amazing. I love that to death. That was so amazing. It's just it's the the little the the kid in me, the teenager, the college student, the adult in me. That's like everything. All that dream came true, and mm-hmm. it's amazing. It's some. It'll, it'll be the one of the best moments of my life. Uh, besides being able to serve the Lord in some capacity, right? Um, and meeting a girlfriend, and meeting a girlfriend, of course, and to having save my, you with Ashley, <laughs> yes, and uh, like having you know having a part of this podcast and getting yes, to be yes. like uh, a good brother with Drew as a mm-hmm. as a uh, podcaster and a brother in Christ. Uh, other than that, be like, man, I have been work's been work. Uh, uh, they've they've condensed everything down because we got uh, i think it's like super one coming into town yes so they, they for those of you who are not from this area and have never heard of super one that is a grocery store yes uh it's affiliated with berkshire's not a berkshire brothers it's two different companies berkshire's but, is also a uh, grocery store that is probably the head grocery store of a series of chain of stores owned by berkshire's grocery company yes Thank not you. everyone lives in texas i'm aware of this <laughs> Berkshire Brothers was started by the same family, yeah. but it was down the other side of it that didn't take the regular Berkshires. Actually, I don't remember which one was first. But Berkshire Brothers was first, then Berkshire split off 10 well, years later. Either way, Berkshire's has made more, is, is been more successful. I would agree with you there. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, either or be like, apparently there's, there's a new store coming into town, and so they've cut our hours back. They didn't cut my hours back, thankfully. You have seniority over everybody in the store. Nearly. 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 But you got more seniority than the managers do, probably. Uh maybe. Not some <laughs> of them. But either or. Either or. Uh yeah, work is work is work. And uh uh I do want to say one thing. Uh big shout out to uh uh pay not a patron, a patron of mine uh for the artistic world. Uh I had a I had a I was like not I was, a Patreon patron, but an actual patron. An actual patron, a patron of the arts. Uh, I got a contact from him uh, about a month and a half ago about uh, be like, hey, can you do this? Do this for me? I'm like, sure. And I give him a number. And about a month later, he finally gives back to me. He's like, hey, sorry, I get distracted. You you can talk to a, a friend of our a friend of ours that be like, hey, I get distracted. So he finally, you know, uh, uh, deposited money for this. And so I'm going to start working on the commission uh, in a couple of days. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited because it's, it's really fun to actually get a commission and be able to do it. And cool. it's 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 gonna be interesting. I'll, I'll let people know what is after he's you know got it and everything. It's gonna be cool. Awesome. Uh, so yeah, that's all that's been going on. It's just like yeah, it's been it. has been fun. Yeah, I haven't had as interesting a week as you've had. Right. <laughs> I've gone to work. 
I've played some video games. Yeah. And I went over and hung out at our good friend Chase's. That's what I did this weekend. Oh, nice. I went to church, too. Yeah. But anyway. Cool. So, Jacob, I do have one more question, just so you can keep talking. Mm. What have you been watching? Well, besides Garth Brooks' concert. Yes. Um, so, uh, Disney Plus. I want to say Disney Channel, but Disney Plus. Um, they release a new series called uh, Light and Magic. Yes, I saw that. Yeah. I haven't watched it, but I saw it. Was oh, on it's, there. it's good. It's good. It's. Um, I assume it's about ILM. Yeah, it's it's the the history of ILM, and they're starting off from the original Star Wars and George Lucas' desire to do uh, special effects and, mm-hmm. that no one else has ever done, and uh, that be like I think they're the episode I'm in. There are towards the latter part of, or I think it's like. Uh, the the back end of Empire Strikes Back mm. and where everything's starting to blow up in the eighties. Right. With the uh, special effects and the whole bit. So I watched that. Shouldn't be too far away from when the uh Lucasfilm computer uh Pixar pick thing that would eventually become Pixar yeah. shows up. Yeah. I wonder if they'll actually bring up one uh one of the the one of Pixar's first uh projects for an outside company. Mm. What was that? Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan. Yeah, they 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 briefly stood because they because it's started, like the most expensive CG that was made at the time. Oh yeah, for a theatrical production. Yeah, they they actually they started going into the computer generated yeah thing about it, but they didn't call it Pixar. They just you know it's a computer graphic program. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's it's really interesting. Definitely, if you're like a history like a like a movie nerd like we are. Yeah, and uh, you just like special effects and the behind the scenes how they do things. It's really cool because this goes and they interview everybody. Like I'm mm-hmm. talking every, like all the big name directors for this, and it's just it's amazing. I really enjoy this. I can't wait to continue watching this. And uh, yeah, this this was this was this is a fun little series on Disney Plus. I'm mm-hmm. glad they put it out. So what have, what have you been watching? Well, you know I'm a bit of a tokusatsu fan, uh-huh. and I do like my giant kaiju, uh-huh. so I was watching something that doesn't have giant kaiju in it, hmm. but it does have kaiju. Really? It was a TV show from 1966 in Japan. Really? The most expensive show for a long period of time. I don't know when they actually lost this distinction uh, over there. It's called Ultra Q. Yeah. It is technically the first series of the Ultraman franchise, if you've heard of that. Yeah. But Ultraman is not in this. Okay. He does not show up until the show Ultraman, which is after this. Okay. This is more like the Twilight Zone or the Outer Limits. Really? But with Kaiju. Interesting. I literally just watched an episode where uh, Martians had sent two giant slug monster eggs down to Earth because they were annoyed that we sent rockets to their planet. Interesting. We never actually saw the Martians. We just saw the slug monsters. Oh, fun. So, yeah, that was fun. Other parts is that uh, some of the ways that they were able to uh, uh, cut a few corners, especially with the first couple episodes. Mm-hmm is that they reused some monsters 
from Toho because A.G. Subaraya, the guy who did all the or directed all of the special effects sequences yeah. for like uh, Gojira and uh, Mothra, Rodan, uh, King Kong versus Godzilla. Yeah. All those, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. He's the one who's directing the special effects for this show. Okay. And, uh, well, in the first episode, well, the first episode is called Defeat Gomez. Mm-hmm. Gomez is a reused Godzilla suit with furry eyebrows and a turtle shell and this horn sticking up out of his head. And you can tell when you're looking at him that it's Godzilla, but slightly modified. Hmm. More fun, the Litra, the monster that fights him at the end of the episode, is a modified Rodan puppet. Really? And even more fun, the second episode, Goro and Goro, uh, they reused the King Kong suit from King Kong versus Godzilla, huh. but they changed the mask out to make it look better. Because if you you saw that one, yeah. you know how sleepy or run um, over by a garbage truck that yeah that face looks like. Agreed. In that movie, uh, it actually looks like a gorilla mask. Yeah. Now, even though he's supposed to be a monkey, huh. there's a difference. Agreed. Um. Except he didn't have a tail, I just realized, because it was the King Kong suit. Mm. And monkeys are the ones that have tails and apes don't. But beside the point, uh, it's a fun little show. It's essentially like watching those those, uh, old monster movies. Yeah. But because they only have 30 minutes to do the show in, it cuts out all of the, the long parts of it. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. I'm enjoying that. Uh, I will talk probably more about that as the weeks go on and kind of give you all a fill in. But uh, I'm thinking, I don't, I don't know what, if I, I've been doing some writing based on it, but I haven't released any of it yet. Cause I am working on another project for the, uh, for the podcast that I don't think I've even told you about yet, Okay, but uh, it requires me to actually do some learning. Mm. So yeah. Anyway, that's, I've watched that. I've been playing some Yakuza Kawami. Mm-hmm. And boy, can you tell it used to be, it's a remake of a PS2 game. Hmm. There's just a feel to it, but yet, it, because it's remade and it's, uh, there's, they do actually do some callbacks to Yakuza 0, the prequel, mm-hmm. to kind of do some better connections in there. And you can tell when the writing changes. Yeah. <laughs> and when the scenarios change. But the sh- that that game has been pretty good. Uh, if you're a child, do not play that game. <laughs> In any way, shape, or form. Mm. This is like GTA, but better. Okay. Mostly because you can't kill civilians. Mm. Which doesn't sound like it would be better from the people who like GTA, but trust right. me, it is. Ah. Um, other than that, I think that's about it. Okay. So uh, why don't we go ahead and jump into the news? All right. The Cellcast News with your host, Jacob Heron. All right, why? Thank you, Dilet. And going into the news, uh, DC's uh, League of Super Pets 
uh, has been basically plowing through the box office this weekend mm-hmm. uh, as Warner Brothers animation feature pulls in a respectful $23 million, number one domestic opening uh, domestically, uh, closing out the first month for the cinema release uh, that surpassed uh, $1 billion since December, December 2021. Uh, so yeah, I'd be like, uh, cinema's doing very well right now. Let's just mm-hmm. say that with, um, like obviously the pandemic is still there, but it's not as, um, shut downy as it was before. Right. So, uh, I want to get into a lot of more of the, the good news. Cause there's a lot of like sad news that came out recently. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, like you remember gremlins, right? As in the ones that you're not supposed to feed after midnight? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So this bit of news came out from Comic-Con 2022. Uh, I didn't catch it in time, so I just wanted to uh, relay it here. Uh, So apparently they are, this has been 38 years since Gremlins came out. Mm -hmm. So apparently uh, there's going to be a new HBO Max slash Cartoon Network uh, a series called Gremlins: The Secret of Magua, and that will be Magui. Sorry, Magui. Uh, will be uh, how I want us to be hitting store shelves, but no, it'll be hitting your. Uh, you'll be able to watch it either on HBO Max or apparently Cartoon Network mm-hmm. in 2023, and uh, it's they're bringing back quite a bit of the some of the original cast, like the original the original guy who did the voice for the. Or the uh, was the, uh, the the young man who uh, was uh, Gizmo's owner? Yes, uh, he's coming back. And so there's like that sounds fun for because mm-hmm. I liked Gremlins. Uh, Gremlins two was just un- crazy as could be. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so yeah, that'll be coming out. So to get in a bit more of the like you know it, it's you know the thing that happens that you know people do pass away. Um, Apparently, uh, Joe Dante, you know who that is? No, I unfortunately do not. We reviewed uh, one of the we said he we did. Uh, I think it was. Uh, what was it? Uh, I didn't put any of the movies down. He did. But he was primarily like the Franken Bass uh, claymation animation movies. OK. Yeah. So uh, apparently. Uh, rah, rah, rah. So it was like a stop motion thing that we may have reviewed. Yes. Um uh, yeah, Anim- uh, animation artist and illustrator uh, Paul Kohler Jr., best known for his character and production designs for Frankenbass motion picture specials, uh, and also for illustrations for uh, Mad Magazine, uh, most likely uh, Frosty Snowman. Uh, we haven't done any of those films yet, have we? No, we have talked about doing some of those. That's ones, right, yeah, yeah. But they keep getting... <laughs> knocked out because for one one reason or another that is true so eventually we'll get around to doing those oh but, yeah we yeah, got to so, do those at some yeah. point so sadly uh he passed away on july 23rd 23rd at the age of 93 and so we lost a great animator mm-hmm. uh, so another like this just like when you hear about great uh actor or actresses passing away it's just like kind of breaks your heart in a way yeah. Uh, so Pat Carroll, uh, the very well known 
uh, if if you ever watched Little Mermaid, you, you or you know Disney at all, yeah. Uh, Pat Carroll was the voice of Ursula from the Little Mermaid, mm-hmm. and uh, she's gone. She went on to do a, a bunch of amazing things, and uh, she was actually the voice of uh, Old Lady Crowley in Rapunzel's Tangled Adventure. Yeah. Uh, so Sally, she passed away. Uh, I think a couple of days ago, at the age of ninety five, and uh. It, it was like when I, I I read that on Twitter and I was like, what? Mm-hmm. Like, no way on earth. You'd be like, that, that's sad. And then you get this other bombshell that if there again for someone like Drew, who's a, a Trekkie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you learned that. Uh, Nichelle Nichols, uh, who played Lieutenant Uhura on Star mm-hmm. Trek. Yeah. And played her in Star Trek, the animated series, and then did a bunch of other uh, roles throughout animation Mm-hmm. I don't. They were none of the, none of those roles stuck out to me, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah some some but, of those, uh, some of those they uh, just to mention was uh, Spider Man the animated series, uh, Batman the animated series, mm-hmm. and Disney's Gargoyles, and of course, right. Star Trek the animate the animated but, series. Uh, the, her roles didn't stand out to me that no. much. I think wasn't she Madam Web in Spider Man? I, th- I, I that's the closest thing I can I think. Think of. so? I think so. I could be wrong, but uh, yeah, sadly she she uh, passed away in her uh, home in Silver City. Uh, New Mexico mm-hmm. uh, at the age of 89. So yeah, it's, it's, it's sad when you hear people pass away, the stuff yeah. prayer for those uh, families and uh, the grief for their uh, loved ones. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I hate to be on a, on a, on a downer about news, but yeah, that's all I have in the news. Yeah. It's crazy to think that I think there's only three actors left of the original Star Trek cast. Yeah. That being William Shatner, George Takei and Walter Koenig. Yeah. And Walter Koenig didn't show up till season two. Yeah. So, yeah, that's crazy. Mm. Anyway. Yeah. That all we got in the news? That is all we have in the news. Then we need to jump into the spoiler-free section of our review for Trolls. Certified fresh and spoiler-free. I should hate this movie. <laughs> okay. This is actually the second time I watched this movie. Yeah. The first time was back in 2020. When I was, I had this idea of, you know, I wouldn't, I didn't get to stay home like a lot of people did because I still had to go to work, Uh but there was a lot of, there was not a lot you could do once you got off work anyway. So I was, since at the time, you know, Trolls 2 World Tour had like blown up the stay at home box office for lack of Mm -hmm. a better term. Yeah. I was going to watch both movies and see, you know, what the big deal was. And I didn't get past this movie and Mm. I still haven't seen Trolls 2 World Tour yet. Mm. But uh, I remember when I watched this that it was better than I expected it to be. Okay. And then I promptly forgot every single thing that happened in the movie. Okay. It was like uh, Cotton Candy. That thought that 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 allegory may come up a couple times tonight. I I, I agree. Because it's like, oh, it's nice. It's sweet. It tastes good. And it's gone. And I don't remember it. Yeah. It kind of dissolved in water. Yeah, poor that's, raccoon. That's raccoon. Yeah, there's there's a viral video going out of a raccoon. Be like raccoons. Like, oh yes, it. yes, yes. I have seen that. Yeah, the the poor raccoon. Be like, gets the cotton candy, drives, dips in water, dissolves. Just look around, like so so confused. Yeah, but uh, it's not a bad movie. I I want to get that out. Right. It's like you're not gonna regret watching the movie. It's just. It's all it's it's very shallow to some degree, but yet it's Agreed. also got some deepness to it. 
it's not bad, but I can't say it's good. If yeah. that makes sense, that makes sense. I'll tell you this: it's if you remember earlier in the year we reviewed Ugly Dolls, yeah, and this commits like a lot of the same sins, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term. And yet, this actually does it better because it's actually a better made film. Huh. I agree with you. So yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say don't watch it and let your kids watch it. That's no, it's definitely family friendly. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it's there. It's good. That's my spoiler free thought. Okay. Uh, I watched this movie the first time. Well, I bought it at a Black Friday Black Friday day Black Friday Friday sale. Thank you. I get tongue tied every once in a while. Yeah. Um. And I was like, I I'll, I'll put this on the list for the podcast. And uh, yes, I, this wh- was his pick. Yeah, this was my pick. I, I watched it in two thousand. I think two thousand one, two thousand. You uh, couldn't have watched it in two thousand or two thousand one. It wasn't out yet. Or correction, two thousand twenty, two thousand twenty one. Okay, <laughs> that's what I meant to say. That's what I meant to say. That makes more sense. It does make more sense. Uh, so I watched it for a uh, like hundred movies and uh, a year kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think that was the one of the other reasons I was I watched it was because of that twenty twenty hundred movies in a year, which I failed to reach. Yeah, but uh, like rewatching it again, be like it's it's kind of like how you said it. it's kind of like cotton candy. It's mm-hmm. one of those films that be like it's good, it's got some problems. But it's just one of those like, oh, okay, this was a film. This was a film. It's an enjoyable film. Uh, you can love it or hate it. It's one of those middle of the road films. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's done far, far better than um, Ugly Dolls or some of the other films we've yes. done that are strictly just kid film, you know, kitty little films that are just fluff and stuff kind of mm-hmm. films. But there's a little depth to this film, and I, 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 I like that about the film. Other than that, be like, yeah, it's, it's it's a good film. You know, obviously, you go watch it with your kids. You know, you know, or kid, you watch this with your kids, or let your kids watch it. Be like, yeah. it's it's a good film. That's my spoiler for thoughts. All right. Well, then we need to jump into the uh, spoiler filled section, which we will do right after this ad from not really our sponsors. We don't really have sponsors from the podcast network. How's that? Yeah. This podcast is a proud member of Culture Box. Whether you enjoy geeky reviews, comedy, or original fiction, you can open up the Culture Box and find something excellent for your soul. Point your web browser to culturebox.media. This week, we suggest checking out Stunning and Brave, where each week hosts Chris Cowan of the Babylon Bee and Nate Henderson of some boring budgeting job confess their privilege, spotlight stunning social media posts and fabricate outrage all while keeping you super woke and enlightened. They will make you laugh. That's right. You have no choice. Check out stunning and brave at stunningandbrave.net. I might want to listen to them. The Cellcast would like to thank the following patrons. Josh Adams, Ashley Cronin Bitter, Book of Gaming, to get your name on the show plus, uncut episodes, early access to the Cellcast plus reviews and special art from Jacob please donate to us on Patreon.
the following is a spoiler-filled review for the movie Trolls. Listener discretion is advised. Trolls was directed by Mike Mitchell, who directed the Lego Movie 2, the second part. Mm. And uh, it was also directed by Walt Dorn, who directed Shrek Christmas Specials, Donkey Christmas Spectacular, and Shrek's Yule Log. Oh, okay. He was also the one that's uh, directly connected to Shrek, uh, Trolls 2 World Tour. Oh, okay. I didn't. I don't think I, when I was looking at it that Mike Mitchell directed that one, but mm. I could be wrong. Uh, it was also written by Jonathan Abel, Glenn Berger, and Erica Rivenoja, and based on the good luck trolls that were created by Thomas Dam. Yeah, back in the 50s, I think. Yes. Getting into the cast, we've got Anna Kendrick playing Poppy. And in the Twilight franchise, she played Jessica. Okay. One of the vampires. Oh, yeah, that's right. And from what I've seen I've on seen the internet, part of those books. This, is, this would have been like very earlier in her career. Mm-hmm. And apparently she's forgotten she was involved in those. Mm. So, yeah, if I were her, I would wipe that from my memory, too. Uh, <laughs> Justin Timberlake was Branch. And in Yogi Bear, he played Boo Boo. You know, the 3D Yogi Bear movie. Oh, yeah. He played Boo Boo. He was Boo Boo. Mm. He's actually a fairly good actor. Yes, but he hasn't done a lot of movies. No, he hasn't. Like most of his, it makes sense that most of his IMDb is going to be his music videos. Yeah. But like all but like five things are music videos. He's yeah. not done a lot of acting per se. No. One of those things is Trolls. The other one is Trolls 2 and then Yogi Bear. And I don't remember what the other two were. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, Zoe Deschanel mm. was the voice of Bridget. And in The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, she played Trillion. Mm. I still haven't watched that movie. Oh, that's a good movie. That's the movie uh, where she's... You know how you have those uh, actresses you kind of have a little bit of a crush on? Yeah. Zoe Deschanel's always been that kind, and this was the first movie I saw her in. Oh. Or uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy was the first movie I saw her in. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Christopher Mintz Plasse was King Gristle. Mm-hmm. And he was fish legs in How to Train Your Dragon. Hmm. Christine Baronsky played Chef. And she played Dr. Beverly Hofstadter, a.k.a. Leonard's mom, in The Big Bang Theory. Okay. Not Sheldon, the other guy that was in that apartment. I gotcha, gotcha. You know. And then Russell Brand played Creek. And he is Dr. Nefario in Despicable Me. Okay. Franchise. Gotcha. Getting into the Kingdom Hearts connections. James Arnold Taylor uh, was the ADR group for this, and he played Captain Jack Sparrow and the Prince in Kingdom Hearts. Mm. But I mostly know him from another video game that technically there's a character that's in both. But I, it, he's, he doesn't voice the kid version of that character he's most well known for. He's Titus in Final Fantasy X. Oh! He's, <laughs> yeah, that. The laugh. Yeah. Uh, Cam Clark was the ADR was also ADR group in Trolls, and he played Simba in Kingdom Hearts. So he does a pretty decent Matthew Broderick impression, I assume. Oh, okay. Because it's adult Simba he plays. Yeah. Uh, Greg Berger, also ADR group in Trolls, is Eeyore in Kingdom Hearts. Mm. David Boat, who was the ADR, who's also who's in the ADR group in this movie in Trolls, 
plays Alias and Laxius in Kingdom Hearts. Last but not least, the primary character designer in Trolls and the voice of Stitch in Kingdom Hearts is Chris Sanders. <laughs> so yeah, I didn't realize he was involved in this movie until wow. I was looking it up. And that was only me looking at uh, what the 1.5, 2.5 group. Yeah, I did not look into 2.8 or 3 because I, I already had enough of <laughs> these characters. Agreed. No, especially when I'm looking at ADR group. Right. Essentially extras. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so probably all the Bergens is who all those four people play. Probably. And maybe a couple of trolls. Right. Who knows? And everyone else was kind of extras anyway, except Gwen Stefani was in this as, as a DJ. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. One of the troll DJs? Yeah. Anyway. Everyone else, I didn't recognize names, mm. and they weren't really important roles in the movie. But anyway, mm. but that's the end of my uh, K- Kingdom Hearts connections and cast list. What do we got in info and still? All right. So on IMDb, it is a six point four out of ten. You can watch it on YouTube for three ninety nine. Produced by DreamWorks Productions. Uh, it was distributed by Twentieth Century Fox, now known as Twentieth Century Studios. And I think this was either the last one or close to the last one that 20th Century Fox released for DreamWorks. Possibly. I think. I did look. It did not say it was a news corporation company. So Hmm. anyway. Yeah. So release date was, uh, it was initially released October 8th, 2016 at the BFI London Film Festival. And then here in the United States on November 4th, 2016 mm-hmm. box office we have an estimated budget of 125 million dollars on its opening uh weekend for the united states of canada was that uh that's not that great uh 46.5 million dollars on november 6 2016 uh u.s and canada gross was 154 million dollars and its worldwide gross was Three hundred and forty-seven point one million dollars. Mm-hmm. So, home release. Charles released on digital HD on July twenty-fourth, two thousand seventeen, and on Blu-ray DVD combo pack on February seventh, two thousand seventeen. The film topped the home video sell charts for consecutive two weeks. Sequels. Obviously, there is a sequel. Uh, this has gone through limbo and back <laughs> to get to theaters uh to kind of and yet ironically covid really didn't slow it down any not really um so it was oriz- originally announced on february 28th in 2027 universal pictures studios uh it's new distributing arm uh for dreamwork productions or dreamwork animation announced the sequel title for trolls 2 uh that would be released on april or April 10th, 2020. Uh, many of the uh, original cast would return uh, on on August 4th, 2007, on 2017. The release date for the sequel was moved February 14th, 2020 because uh, apparently Fast and Furious 7 took its original spot. Um, weird. Yeah, that is weird. The, it is 20th century. It is universal, so they would mm-hmm. kind of put their, their big tentpole movie either or uh let's see it was announced that they would get the director would return uh many of the people returned um 
let's see. Originally, um, the film was pushed back to April 17th, 2020, uh, for a release date on March 4th, 2020, uh, when no time to die. The James Bond film got delayed. So did this film got pushed back to April 10th of 2020 and got released again. Also, it was released, uh, uh, a, almost a home, a home release digitally where it made, you know, banks of money. Then it got re-released in the theaters, mm-hmm. um, which that was interesting. Uh, so yeah, apparently there was a TV series. So that doesn't surprise me. This is DreamWorks. We're talking of true. everything they had that made some money besides Shrek because Shrek had gone dormant by the time this practice started. Went to the went, went, had a TV show. True. So on July nineteenth, two thousand eighteen, uh, heck, I think Madagascar had a TV show. It did. Anyway, um, yeah, Netflix air uh, uh, debuted uh, Trolls. The beat goes on. Uh, it went for fifty two episodes with that ran for eight seasons. Yeah, eight seasons. Yeah, eight seasons. 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. That's not mathematically possible. <laughs> That's what it says. It read for eight I seasons. Barely not possible. But it's, they they must have had a spring season and a fall season somewhere in there. I'm thinking, but yeah. Yeah, Troll. I'd be like, I don't, I don't think, I'm not for certain if there's going to be a sequel to, to, uh, Trolls, to Trolls 2, but you never know i haven't seen two to know if it's as well made as this one is trolls two i've seen it it's it's interesting it takes some of the it takes what pop does and kind of just makes that into the story okay yeah how pop kind of just takes everything and makes it his own and some say it ruins it but moving on yeah ready for the summary yes summarizes buddy Baby. The trolls are small, colorful, perpetually happy creatures who sing, dance, and hug all day. They are discovered by the gigantic, ugly, and miserable Bergens who believe that they can only feel happy by consuming a troll. By the way, consuming is a very nice word for eat. They kind of don't hide that in the in the movie. I don't know why they act like they put it behind special language in the summary. Yeah. But the Bergens imprison the trolls in a caged tree and eat them every year on a special occasion, Trollstice. On the year that Prince Gristle Jr., son of King Gristle Sr., is due to eat his first troll, the chef in charge of the ceremony discovers that the trolls' leader, King Peppy, has taken his infant daughter, Princess Poppy, and his people and organized an escape. King Gristle Sr. banishes chef and she vows to find the trolls while secretly plotting to overthrow the monarchy as revenge for her exile. 20 years later, an adult poppy organizes a gigantic party to celebrate the anniversary of the escape. A short-tempered gray survivalist troll named Branch warns that this could compromise their position, but everyone ignores him. His warnings come true when Chef follows the lights and noise and kidnaps Poppy's best friends along with her love interest, a zen troll named Creek. Mm. While the rest cower in Branch's survival bunker, Poppy sets off alone to rescue her friends. She naively gets herself into several potential potentially deadly situations and is finally rescued by branch who thinks the quest is hopeless and reluctantly follows her to escape his crowded bunker. 
Upon arriving in Bergentown, Poppy and Branch see Gristle Jr., now king. Uh, Chef serves Creek to the king, who appears to eat him, but Poppy still holds out hope that Creek is alive and finds the rest of the trolls being guarded by a young scullery maid named Bridget. Learning that Bridget is secretly in love with Gristle Jr., Poppy and the trolls agree to help her get a date in exchange for her help in ascertaining if Creek is alive. Branch refuses to sing along, and the rest in the, in the ensuing musical number, he and Poppy argue, and he reveals that he has refused to sing ever since his singing compromised his home's location to Chef, who took and presumably ate his grandmother. His color turned from blue to gray that day from, that, from the guilt. Poppy confronts him with a hug, and the trolls disguise Bridget as Lady Glitter Sparkles. She and Gristle Jr. go on a date at a roller rink slash arcade restaurant, and Poppy spots Creek held captive in a jewel on Gristle's mantle. After the date, the trolls go to Gristle's room and attempt to free Creek, but discover the jewel is empty. Chef then arrives and recaptures everyone, and Poppy is horrified to learn that Creek, in exchange for his own survival, has betrayed them all to Chef. He steals Poppy's cowbell and uses it to summon the rest of the trolls, whom Chef captures and places in a pot, intended to be served at the feast. A heartbroken Poppy and the other trolls fall into despair and turn gray. Branch, realizing he has fallen in love with Poppy, sings True Colors to cheer her up. Poppy reciprocates his feelings and sings along, and all the trolls, including Branch, regain their hope and their colors. Bridget, unwilling to see harm come to the trolls, releases them while Chef isn't looking. Poppy, knowing the knowing how the angry Bergens will react, refuses to allow Bridget to sacrifice herself. The trolls return and explain to the Bergens that Bridget is Lady Glitter Sparkles and that she and Gristle are already happy being in love with each other. The trolls show the Bergens they too can find happiness inside themselves, bringing light and color and joy to Bergentown. The vengeful chef refuses to accept the peace, and she and Creek are put on a flaming serving cart and sent rolling out of Bergentown into the woods, where they are eaten by a hill monster. Poppy is made queen of the trolls, and she and Branch share a friendly hug. Hmm. Getting into the trivia, Christine Baronski recorded a song, Bringing Happy Back, to come just after Chef proclaims, I am that he, hmm. saying that she's he's uh, the person who controls the trolls, yeah. controls the Bergen. Yeah. And she said, yeah, that's why she said that. It was decided that it made Chef a too sympathetic character. And it seems like she generally wants to restore happiness to Bergentown. So it was cut. It can be heard on the Blu-ray extras with storyboard drawings. When Princess Poppy is dancing in the large basket costume and gloves, it's a hat tip to the Bring It On Down characters Justin Timberlake portrayed on Saturday Night Live in 1975. 1975? That's, oh, that's when, not, sorry. That's when Saturday Night Live started. Yes, about this, to say. Timberlake wasn't IMD, born then. IMDb needs to rephrase how this is worded. Mm-hmm. Okay. The original Troll Doll was created by Thomas Dam from Joel in Denmark in 1958. Mm-hmm. The first ones were sized or filled with wooden shavings. Many styles and sizes were made, and even animals from donkeys, elephants, giraffes, horses, lions, and monkeys. There is even a story about why they are different sizes. Mm. So I, I do want to make a very quick side point on that. Okay. So when me and my girlfriend were in a, a Mount Pleasant, it's a town fairly, it's about two hours from here. You found um, some troll dolls. We found some troll turtles. Troll turtles? Yeah. Like teenage who did turtles as trolls. I was, I, was, I was this close to buying one. <laughs> That's just disturbing. It was disturbing, but it was kind of cute in a way. All right. 
When Poppy and Branch first enter the Bergen Castle, they briefly pass by a painting that parodies the famous Norman Rockwell painting, Freedom from Want, which shows a family around the table for Thanksgiving dinner. In this version, though, it depicts Bergen's around the table for a Trollstice feast. Hmm. This is DreamWorks Animation's first musical film since The Road to El Dorado in 2000. At the beginning of the movie, a remix of the classical piece In the Hall of the Mountain King by Edvard Grieg is playing. While the camera travels through the hall of the Bergen King's castle, which is on top of a mountain. Bergen is also the name of Grieg's hometown, one of the larger cities in Norway. Hmm. Moreover, the city named Bergen is related to the word Berg, which simply means mountain in several Germanic languages, including German, Dutch, Swedish, and Norwegian. Hmm. The disco ball seen at the roller rink where Bridget and King Gristle go on their date is the same fake one used by the ogres in Shrek Forever After in 2010 really? to infiltrate Rumpelstiltskin's party. Wow. And that brings me to that the end of the trivia. Yeah. Oh, Jacob, what are your thoughts on this movie? Your likes? My first like would actually be the opening of how they explain the history of the 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 bog. I want to say Boggins, but they're not called the Bergens. Bergens. I was close to Bergens and the Trolls. And the just how they explain that it's just like I love it when they do that kind of they give you a history and they give you kind of a like uh, a rundown of what has happened before and then mm-hmm. like in depth story about this kind of stuff. I love that kind of stuff, and uh, it's kind of those like um, like Lord of the Rings, you know, ten thousand years ago we did this, and ten thousand years ago we did that. But uh, there again, I haven't read Lord of the Rings I was yet. About to say, yet. I, I haven't read it yet. Let's say, I don't know the exact time frame, but I don't think it was 10,000 years, but I'm not yeah. going to question you. <laughs> but uh, that's one of those books I actually want to read with an audio uh, you, accompaniment. It's going to take you a while. Yeah. Apparently. Fair warning. Yeah. Tolkien likes to describe like every knot on the tree. That's what I heard. <laughs> that's what I heard. But the 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 kind of this you know, grand fantasy kind of storytelling yeah. that, you know, kind of gets you into the mood of the story. And that's what I liked about the beginning of this film. It's like, wow, this is really good. Mm-hmm. And then I have issues later. But the the opening, the opening of this, uh, before we get into the, the all the song and dance stuff. Oh, trust me, that's coming up. Yes. Uh, I really enjoyed that part where it was more the, the Bergens would be like, oh, we can't be happy if we don't have a, a troll. It's like, uh, okay, interesting. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I definitely, I exceedingly enjoy the the opening mm-hmm. montage and how they used uh, uh, puppetry. and. Uh, it's not puppetry. It's all 3D animation. Well, 3D animation. But, but it is made to look like puppets. It does kind of make it look like puppets and be like, it's 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 done very well. And I thought it was very, very enjoyable. Uh, yeah, it's my first like. My first like for this is the fact that you can tell that a lot of people were very passionate for this project oh, as yeah. they were making it. Yeah. Uh, so many times when you see some of these, some of these kind of movies that are toy tie-ins, even though uh, by this point, I think the trolls brand had kind of died off mm-hmm. to the point where DreamWorks could buy it to make this film. Cause Trolls is now the intellectual property for Trolls is now owned by DreamWorks. If you didn't know that, um, you, you can just tell that they had a lot 
from the writing to uh the cho- the 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 music choices mm-hmm. so many of these uh jukebox musical movies which i'll talk more about that later yeah they feel like they're they're being made to make a quick buck agreed this one while i'm sure that may have been the thought process maybe higher up in the corporate bureaucracy this really feels like they got a bunch of people who were really passionate about this story and actually put in a lot of blood, sweat, and tears yeah. into making this work. I mean, from the writing to like the, the music choice to the acting, it's all like spot on, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of it, it seems like I if this wasn't trolls. I would actually think, okay, yeah, this is a, this is a, it's a DreamWorks movie. If you want to get right down to it, because DreamWorks does have this ability to, I'm not going to say weave, spin gold from straw, but because they have had some, uh, some clunkers Mm -hmm. over the years. Uh, but this is not one of them. This is almost picks, this is almost DreamWorks at its finest there's a reason why dreamworks is on par with pixar in general they just don't have the uh critical clout that pixar has agreed but uh yeah this is you can just tell there was passion and love actually put into this movie but yeah that's my first like what's your second uh my second like would actually be justin timberlake's character branch because he's he's a He's he's kind of these he's a conspiracy theory character mm-hmm. that we're introduced to to, and he's more like the Bergens are going to come the Bergens are come and no one listens to him yeah because they the the well uh, he's probably the, he's the boy so, who cried wolf yeah and uh the I, I I like the point where the if like he's be like hey the Bergens are coming you need to be prepared for it and everyone else would be like oh la di da di da words gonna party in the whole bit of mm-hmm. being this carefree thing and that obviously gets them more trouble than they realize. Uh, but I, I like his his attitude. We have to be prepared. We have to now. Granted, he's paranoid, and the the understanding of why he's paranoid and understanding why he's gray, why he never sings, is really touching. I really like that part of his character. Yeah, that he is this he is this broken character, and he needs to find joy again. And uh, obviously, this is a more of a musical, you know, jukebox kind of movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to sing True Colors and be like, you know, your True Colors shine through. But uh, I, I enjoy that aspect of the character who, when we get to the meat of his uh, his backstory, and I was like, it was really touching that his grandmother sacrificed and sacrificed herself in order to save her grandson, mm-hmm. and his his grief for that was the the way he was he he turned gray and be like his color faded, his his joy was gone. Yeah, and uh, it it took him going on this venture with um, what's her main character's name again? Poppy. Poppy. Uh, Princess Poppy and going on this journey and learning to, you know, kind of, you know, enjoy life again. And I thoroughly enjoyed that. I, I like Timberlake's performance was done very, very well because Timberlake is known or Justin Timberlake is known for his singing. And um, it is kind of odd that the, the only, he only has one song yeah. in the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. The, the, way, the way he starts it is like he's, you know, kind of or two songs. He has two songs. Yeah, He does have two songs. But uh, like how he starts off, he's, you know, that that timid voice, that timid voice mm-hmm. where he's kind of scared to. And I, I really enjoy that where it kind of brings that vulnerability to a character 
and uh, I really enjoy that. That was that was very well done, definitely for a uh, a character who is you know you start off like he's the grump, he's the, he's the 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 troll that once doesn't want to have fun, but he's very ultimately aware to be like they could be found out, and it's very apparent because you're shooting out fireworks above the tree yeah. lines. <laughs> Because you you don't you don't think of this, and I, I I like that the paranoid character, not just people being paranoid, but people be able to just being aware of things, and not just be like oh you know laissez faire kind of life, and you know until things go haywire, and you you know life becomes a challenge. Yes, <laughs> because you you're 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 um yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I just I was I, I like the character mm-hmm. Justin Timberlake's performance was very well done. And uh, yeah, that's my second like. What's yours? I like the art style okay. that they use for this film. Uh, granted, when I think trolls, mm. I think the old plastic toys from the eighties. Fair, the ones I saw all my life growing up. Right, the kind that uh, uh, Peter Quill in Guardians of the Galaxy gives to uh, Yondu. Yeah. Instead of, you know, the actual Infinity Stone. <laughs> That's what I think of when I think trolls. And so when I heard they were making a Trolls movie originally back in the day, I thought, good night, that's going to be an ugly film. So the fact that they did reinvent the characters, which did need a reinventing Agreed. at that point, mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, that was almost necessary. And yet they went in a direction, I, they went in the direction of puppets in a way. Yeah, they did. It's they're like I don't I haven't actually seen the uh, the toys based on this art style because mm-hmm. uh, this was long after I left Walmart. Yeah. Um, but if they are kind of a soft cloth covered thing, I think that would fit perfectly. Mm-hmm. Because everything in here looked like the Muppets, if you want to get right down to it. Yeah, I can see it was that. very foam rubber. There was cloth on on so many things. It looked like someone had decided, yeah, we're going to make a 3D Muppets movie without the Muppets being involved or Jim Henson Productions. Hmm. And we're going to base it on trolls. I can see that. So it's like, you know what? This kind of works. Yeah. So, yeah, I really do like the art stuff because it really does feel like i am looking at either cloth covered dolls or puppets yeah throughout most of the film so yeah okay what's your third like my third like kind of goes into what a uh another podcast we kind of we uh, have association with uh retro rewind podcast mm-hmm. and uh kind of the spiritual application in a way my third is like more the the idea of having geek devotions usually does that more in their main show than yeah. in retro does, but well, that's one I know more of. Right, you've been on it more. Yeah, I've been on but, it more because their uh, spiritual thing is in the Patreon content. True. Anyway, anyways, uh, so it's this idea of happiness. Well, the the bargains are more happiness comes from be like eating a troll. It's like okay, you get happiness from eating a little thing with hair so you're gonna get I, my, hair stuck everywhere my <laughs> feeling on that is just from a logistical standpoint the uh-huh. reason they feel happiness from eating the troll is that obviously the trolls have there, there is magic involved in this universe yes of course and i get the feeling the trolls themselves are kind of distilled happiness yeah in a way so right. it's like eating i don't know like a sugary dessert yeah 
for them in a yeah, way because that, that magic fair. is the, the the happiness magic is then that the troll felt is now flowing into them. Yeah, I don't know. It, it kind of reminded me of drugs. If we're going to be honest, fair enough. Fair but enough. Anyway, yeah, it was this idea of be like you eat a troll and you instantly find happiness. Yes, and if you don't eat a troll, you'll never be happy. And uh, the trolls are more like they are like almost karmically Which, just in pure happiness yeah. all the time where it's it's they're live like this utopia they live in a like uh everyone sings kumbaya there's hugs every hour or half hour or something like that and uh obviously, no, no no it's every hour because because they said if it's every half hour there wouldn't be time for singing and crafts yeah that is true i do Which, remember that part uh, okay you do remember that part look Okay, that logically this makes sense. It does. It does. Be like you, you have to, you have to make time for those things that you also it, want to do, right? But it's just like this. Like I, 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 I like the idea where it's like you know where where you find happiness. Where well, the the idea of like this utopia. There's this thing as a utopia, like the idea that there's humanity is gonna be um gonna you know somehow get along with each other. <laughs> we're not gonna have any problems is it's laughable to me yes uh, if you if you if you are a follower of christ and you know scripture and you know the world is tainted you know sin is just gonna wreck everything in two seconds mm-hmm. but uh i i i i started to think about happiness and happiness is where do we find happiness where do we find joy in our our lives can i pop in here yeah sure because i want to make something something clear yeah happiness is an emotion yeah, it is it's fleeting. Yeah, it is very fleeting. Joy is a different matter. Yeah, agreed. Because joy is something you feel you can you can feel joy even when you're broken and sad. Yeah, agreed. Joy and the only place joy comes from, just because I'm I'm just gonna go ahead and spout this out there. This is probably the point you were about to make, and I apologize ahead of time. Oh, go ahead. Joy comes from God, and that's the only place you can get it from. That's true. Yeah, because so the ha- so the happiness that they're that the Bergens are wanting is going to be fleeting anyway, even yeah. if they're not eating the trolls. That is so true. It'd be like it's you know even to the point where in the movie it's it's talking about be like oh you already have joy in yourself. It's like well there's a like happiness is fleeting. Be like you you can be happy for a moment, yeah, and then it'll it'll fade away. Be like joy is much longer lasting kind of you know yeah sense of joy. And the, the, the joy the, is almost contentment. Yeah. You're kind of content in life. But, uh, the, the verse that popped in my head is actually Romans 15, 13. Mm-hmm. Uh, now may the, the God of the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may bound in hope by the power of the Holy spirit. And it's just be like your, your joy isn't found in things. Cause there's people in this world and uh, I, I can be guilty of this in a lot of ways. I know we all can in some ways that we have this uh, tendency. If we have all the stuff, if we have all the friends, if we have all the the, uh, the all the attention, mm-hmm. like we're going to be happy. But there again, that's just, you know, you kind of it's all temporary, everything like that. But if we find our contentment, we find our joy, we find our happiness in the Lord and in the Holy Spirit, we we um, we, we find more content in life and we're. When when things do go wrong, when things hit the fan, we we do we do have a we do have a, a solid uh, foundation to rest upon when everything's going bad. Right. So, so yeah, I, I thought I would just bring that up. So that's my that's my kind of a third like <laughs> this film that okay. kind of made me segue into something else. But 
what's your third? This movie got a shot of happy juice. Okay. And I'm going to explain. Okay. I have no idea how much this comes across on the podcast, but I am a lot like Branch. Okay. I have no idea if you've ever even noticed that, to be honest, but at least I feel like Branch. Okay. A lot. Where it's, I'm not paranoid, for instance, but, you know, there's anxiety about oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. sort of stuff. And you yeah. ultimately kind of feel like you're a sad sack for the most part. Yeah. A party pooper, perhaps. Yeah. And so I went into this movie thinking this is going to be some childish, sugary uh, nothing. Yeah. That there was going to be no quality to this whatsoever. This was going to be... Uh, a, a modern tripping point for DreamWorks. Mm. And for the most part, if I look, if I were to look at each of the individual pieces by themselves, I would say that this film breaks every rule I normally have for what I like in a film. Yeah. And yet I was smiling for th- three quarters of this film. Really? I was actually happy at the end. I actually felt the emotions that they were going through. When all the trolls got depressed, mm-hmm. I kind of felt that empathy okay. for them. Mm. I felt the empathy for Bridget uh, and everything she was going through. And Zoe Deschanel, so of course I was feeling empathy for her. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> but uh, honestly, Poppy is a character I should absolutely positively hate. Yeah. Because she she's the kind of person that gets on my nerves. Uh-huh. And yet <laughs> I was invested in her character throughout the movie. I don't know. I call it the happy juice because it's that's the only thing I can think of. It's like it feels like I was sitting there and unbeknownst to me, I had consumed enough. I it'd be like I inhaled laughing gas or something okay because it's like at some point all the negativity i had looking at this movie in the con in the as i, as I was watching the film kind of yeah. just dissipated and i was just in the movie okay I was almost immersed in the film and i hate saying that because immersion is such a critical artsy thing to say agree because <laughs> i am not that kind of person and usually when i'm watching a movie i'm like five steps ahead and i was still five steps ahead of where the film was mm-hmm. in this but uh because you know i can just follow the pattern of yeah of the events because let's face it at some point you realize this is cinderella yeah pretty much For Br- bridget's story is cinderella yeah everything else is kind of leading up to it a different way but yeah agreed for Bridget, this story is Cinderella. Uh, and yet, I didn't care that they ripped off Cinderella for her story. Yeah, I agree. I, the, the thing that got me the most was when they were going through Branch's backstory with yeah. you know, his grandmother uh, sacrificing herself to save him. And when they go back and he is singing like the... A uh, very powerful, the loud part uh, of uh, Eclipse of the Heart. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even put together in my mind that you know, a kid probably shouldn't be singing that song, <laughs> if we're being honest. 
but it's like okay yeah because we're, we're not supposed to really what he's singing there is not important to the story it's yeah the fact that he was singing this loud and it was what got uh the trolls atten- got chef's attention in the first place mm-hmm. because and then it you know his, his grandmother pushes him out of the way the music kind of dies down the yeah. way it does in the song yeah and it gets quiet for a little bit as it sw- comes back and you get the full effect of how this affected branch and then the rest of the trolls start actually into the sad part where it actually fits what's going on yeah and they go i've got holy crap they're singing this they're still singing the same song and they made this work you car animated movies for kids normally do not do that yeah agreed. they assume the kids are but stupid yeah agreed and they actually did this here it's like i should hate this because y'all are this is the kind of movie that I get annoyed at because it feels like it's talking down to kids and the movie doesn't talk down to kids. No, it actually talks with real... It's actually being very intelligent and it's like... But it's not what I expect from this kind of film. Yeah, agreed. That's... When, when I, like I said, almost everything I normally would hate about this film because it takes aspects of it that when no, done normally, I mm. hate that they do it. Yeah. And I'll get into one or two of those when we get to dislikes. Yeah. But it does all those things well that makes this film the exception okay to my normal rules now granted i will kind of go ahead and go into my uh dislike if that's all right my first dislike go for it this movie is cotton candy yes it is because here's the thing i watched all that i appreciated all of that I thought about it for the 15 to 30 minutes after the movie went off while I was in the shower trying to digest my thoughts of the film. And normally when I watch a film for the podcast, I'm kind of thinking of it on and off throughout the day. Yeah. I could not remember some of this stuff at three o'clock when I got off work mm-hmm. and was sitting down on my computer here to write notes. I had to actually go back. I didn't watch the movie again, yeah. but I had to actually stop and think what were my feelings. Usually I was like, oh yeah, these are my feelings. And I write mm-hmm. notes down. Yeah. No, this is like, I had to actually go, okay, what was going on in the movie? What did I like? Yeah. I what did I not like? What was yeah. the issues? What were the things I thought worked? And it helped that last night after I watched the movie, I posted a link, a YouTube video yeah. on our Facebook group, the cell nation. Mm-hmm. And I posted in our Discord also this clip from Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. That kind of was my general thoughts on it. And I called it, this clip I, I said was a possible allegorical teaser mm-hmm. for our discussion tonight. Yeah. Now, most of the clip doesn't really fit, fit to be honest. Yeah. But it's when we get to the part where Quark is, sir, is uh, pours Garrick the root beer. Yeah. Garrick takes a drink of it says it's vile and hideous. Mm-hmm. And Quark says, I know. But you know what the worst part about it is? You drink enough of it, you begin to like it. And Garrick says, it's almost insidious. And I thought, that is what this is. Hmm. The first couple minutes of this, yeah, I was not. I, I was already starting to check out at the beginning because yeah. it was very hippie, sugar-filled, you know, fill your teeth rot while you're watching the thing mm-hmm. sort of a deal. Agreed. 
And yet the longer I watched and the long and the more I got kind of inoculated mm-hmm. and used to the way to it, the way that was, I got I was like, Oh, wiki, this is actually done very well. And it did a lot of work into us. Wow. That is insidious. <laughs> In a weird way. My dislike is it's too good for what it is. Oh, okay. What's your first dislike? My first dislike is it's not going in your same your same direction. It's more like Poppy herself. Mm-hmm. Poppy is the she is a little annoying. <laughs> she is very annoying. But her wondering Poppy and she's like she's like oh I'm gonna go rescue my friends. She has no idea what she's doing. She's literally running into everything blindfolded. Mm-hmm. And she it's 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 like every step she takes it's more. Be like, she's going to fall on her face at any second, but there's always something that's going to make sure she gets to this point and this closer point. It's nothing of what she does or anything. It's what everybody else around her does to help her get to her journey. And it's not her character growing in any fashion or form. It's this character who just kind of goes into this journey and just... Like she just stumbles into everything and there, there's no real be like, she thinks about things or be like, it's more uh branch who kind of just like rallies everything and that kind of stuff. That's why I like branch so much as a character mm-hmm. and princess Poppy just kind of just goes into it. Doesn't think about it. Everything just works the plan to an extent. Uh, the, the only thing that is really, cause she's like, Oh, we can get them to do this and get them to this, this ultimate, op- um, um, ultimate positivity about everything mm-hmm. and uh there again there there are there is room for that i agree with that i'm not trying to be you know the yeah the 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 downer on everything but i'm not you're not trying to be the party pooper yeah i'm not trying to be the party pooper here but it's just <sighs> she is annoying she is very annoying and her she is a a a a wonder she is a wondering character who just stumbles into everything and everything just works for her mm-hmm so there's no real be like, you don't feel like she really gains anything as a character. It's just be like, everything just kind of goes plop in her hand. Mm-hmm. And it's just there again, like you said before, it's like, there's a lot of this movie. It's just like, it's like, what exactly happened again? Yeah. Like it's cotton candy. This is a cotton candy movie. So yeah, it's just like, I'm not going to say I don't like Poppy. It's just like, Poppy's just annoying. Poppy's yeah. annoying. Poppy just kind of just does her thing, doesn't think about anything, and everything just falls into plan for the most part. And it's just like, I really don't like characters like that. So, yeah, my first like is a, what I call Wondering Poppy. Mm-hmm. What is your second dislike? There is a character in this film that we have not talked about yet. Oh, okay. I did not include him. It. I don't know what it's supposed to be. Mm in the cast list you've not brought him up i've not brought him up he has a grand total of i think five lines Mm. in the entire film and i absolutely have no idea why he's there okay the cloud guy oh good night yeah that thing is stupid I don't know why he's there. I don't know why he made he showed back up at the very end. He actually showed up in the end. I don't yes. remember this. Showed up in the last couple seconds when uh, they're up in the uh, when when uh, you know after they're hugging all are on the the mushroom after yeah. it's 
risen up into the sky like yeah, he right before pops the crash. he just pops up and says and does the little finger guns thing and i don't remember what happened after that because it's like you don't need to be here go away <laughs> i don't know what the purpose of the cloud guy is he hmm. served no purpose other than to tell them which of the tunnels to go down yeah and that was not a necessary purpose because you didn't need the second tunnel no, it was literally we need something to give a little bit more tension in this scene before they get back get to Bergentown. So we're gonna have oh, there's two tunnels, and we're gonna have this other guy come in and annoy Branch for a bit, yeah, and make him mad so that he'll chase Cloud Guy all the way to Bergentown, and then the Cloud Guy will disappear and then show back up at the last minute. Yeah, I agree. That's his entire reason for existence. He's an unnecessary character. Why is he here? Yeah, he. There's no other talking cloud guys in the film. Yeah. Is he supposed to be God? They never talk about it. There's no religious iconography. It's like, I don't know what you're here for. Yeah. Are you some kind of angel? Are you a messenger or something? Are you just a random dude who is just annoying our characters for no reason? Yeah. I would only really not bother about this character if... Keyword, if, not even guaranteeing this would actually fix it, if he was narrating. Oh, okay. That might explain his existence better, but you got to have him coming back up more and more often. And the other thing is, usually when they have a narrator character in a show like this, Mm -hmm. I hate it. I got you. So I probably would still hate him even if he did that. I got you. So, yeah, I don't. Cloud Guy can just go rain himself somewhere else. Oh, uh, so, okay. So my second dislike of this film, uh, kind of like your your point would be like it's um, oh I, I'm forgive me I'm forgetting a word. Okay. Um, it's 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 a way that it'd be like it it's it the the way the movie is deceptive deceptive it draws you in deceptively about things. And uh, like lying to you about no, something? No, 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 not, not lying. Be it's, like it's uh, sneaking it in. No, it's no, being, no. Uh, it's it's one of the words you used earlier. Stealthy. Um, this like insidious. Using, insidious. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to stop. No, I'm sorry. Like I used insidious. the word. I used the word earlier. What words did I use earlier? Yeah, oh yeah, insidious. Oh yes, I was quoting Elam Garrick from Deep yes, Space Nine. Fine. It's insidious. Yeah. Well, there's there's a lot of this this idea of like happiness of happiness mm-hmm. all over the place, and the burgers burgers going to be happy when they eat a they eat a troll. I I said that in my my third like yeah. of this film, and there's I mean, like it's this this the when it comes to and I'm almost like I'm trying to build upon the thought at this second. Mm-hmm. It's this the sugary kind of deceptive, insidious thing of how they do the uh, the conclusion where it's like, oh, she just hops on and starts talking, or uh, Poppy hops on the table and so be like, oh, you got all your happiness within you and that kind of stuff. When obviously uh, they they do kind of set up where the the prince and the uh the 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 cinderella character yes are really like 
they they kind of like Bridget, yeah, Bridget and the 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 king or the prince, whatever his name is, because uh, like oh this happiness and blah blah blah. I'm like, but they still want they they get into the song and dance thing towards the end of the movie. I'm just like, really? I understand it's it's the formulaic thing. Well, we get to do a dance and everybody starts happy and that kind of stuff. You can blame Shrek for that. Yeah, you can blame Shrek for it. That's the one that popularized it in the modern film was Shrek. Yeah. One. So kind of to backtrack what I was saying before. Yeah. Uh, it's more the 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 conclusion to this film. The conclusion of this film. Let me back up to go. What my second like is is more the how they resolved this issue. They resolved the issue of be like oh you just gotta you gotta you gotta you gotta find the joy in yourself and that kind of thing and uh and be like it's all about you know grooving to the music and finding that that mm-hmm. bounce in your step and that kind of stuff and i just found that annoying i just found that really really annoying i'm like seriously i understand it's a kid's film and they did some really really good stuff in this one do yes. not get me wrong but the third the the fi- the 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 final turn in the I mean, honestly, I don't remember the end of this film. I remember them like going in this this room. I'll tell you the end of the film just real quick. They convince the Bergens that they can be happy without eating the trolls. Yes, I'm aware of this. They do the big song and dance number uh-huh. about how you know we're all happy. Yay, yay, yay! The king puts the the crown on Poppy's head to get uh, give the idea that she's earned her queenship, hmm. even though technically i don't think unless it's in the middle of a song it doesn't matter yeah um and it's basically your standard happy ending kiss everyone's in love blotty blotty blah movie ends with uh the villain getting her just desserts or both the villains Mm -hmm. the villain and the traitor i'll say yeah i get their just desserts by rolling outside of town on the flaming cart and then getting eaten by a hill yeah yeah, it's just this. This or a the, monster in the shape of a hill. Yeah, the conclusion of the film I don't remember because it, honestly, I just would click. I turned off. I mean, I, I didn't turn off the movie. I just kind of tuned you, out. You tuned out because it's like, I tuned out because it was like, and now we've reached the end of every movie at the every animated ch- ch- kids movie at this point. Yeah, so that they will be happy as they leave the theaters and not angry and grumpy as they're in the car on the way home. Are thinking about things or some kind of yes it's just that very typical hey everybody's happy kind of story and it's just like okay be like nothing it's nothing, nothing happy, re- ending. happy ending nothing really be like gonna make you think or an original idea or something like that there again you be like you don't you, normally come across a lot of deep endings in animated films no you especially don't. for the kids or something different but they use yeah. that same traditional trope and it's just like okay tuned out so yeah, yeah. So that that's my second dislike. It's just like, eh. I'd be like, I, I tuned out at the end. Okay. So that's why I just like be like, that happened? I don't remember that. Oh yeah, because I tuned out. Yeah. That was a long way to get to a second dislike. Yes. So what is your third dislike? This is a jukebox musical. Agreed. I hate jukebox musicals. And I'll tell you why. Because there are, if for those who don't know what I'm talking about, there are two kinds of musicals. There's the one where they write every song for the musical. Yeah. Examples of this that we've reviewed. <laughs> um, nearly every Disney movie that's a musical. Yeah, they're all written. Tangled, Frozen. Uh, I was going to say Wreck-It Ralph, but that's not a musical. No. Uh, 
uh, Aladdin, Little Mermaid, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, all the musicals. All the musicals. And then there's the jukebox musical. Now, granted, I think this is the first jukebox musical we've done, because the only other one I could think that gets close was Ugly Dolls. And I don't remember the music in that movie. Yeah, me either. Because it was a forgettable movie for the most part. And all a jukebox musical is, is instead of writing the music yourself, you take the music from popular music. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, every single one of them in here is a cover. There is not a, there is a cheaper way to do it, do a jukebox musical than they did. And I yeah. have seen it before where it's literally just you play the music in the background. True. They actually did do full covers mm-hmm. of every song. And in fact, I don't, correct me if I'm wrong, but if it it was uh, the Let Your Color Shine thing that he sang, Branch sang, was that an original song? I think so. Because that's the only one I didn't recognize. Yeah. So that might be the one original song that they probably tried to use to get an Academy Award, or at least so they could try to get an Academy Award. Yeah. But the rest of the film, it's like, I was like, every, I was like, whatever song you think would fit this situation, they used it, mm. and they used too many of them. Yeah, there is a point in here where it's like, guys, this movie has been going on for ten minutes, and you are on your third song. Slow down. <laughs> Tell a story. Go to music. go to the story. Slow down. Yeah, and for the most part, I will say. I'll give the movie this contributors. They actually do the jukebox musical correctly. Yeah. Where the songs actually are thought out as to what choices they make. But it's still a jukebox musical. Very few films do that where it makes where it works. Right. This is one of the few that does. And general and even then I still look at it and go, Man, I wish there was a better reason for this. Mm-hmm. Now, later on, I will have to bite my word. I'll have to bring this back up again mm-hmm. because there is a Muppet movie coming up that by definition. No, let me rephrase. It's not a jukebox musical. It's just they do use normal music people have heard, but there's mm-hmm. also written songs. Uh, that's when we get to the the Muppets from, was it 2009? The, the first of the actual Walt Disney fully owned Muppets movies. Yeah. Uh, but it's got some of these kind of jukebox style musical numbers in them too. Yeah. They're not, it's, it's done well here, but it's still a practice. I would like to see be fired into a black hole and never seen again. Oh, okay. I hate the concept of the jukebox musical. Yeah. The only time I will accept it in normal circumstances is if, the musical is literally based on like the works of a certain band. Like uh, I'm not a fan of the musical itself, but Mamma Mia being based on mm-hmm. uh, the works of ABBA. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Cause obviously they chose the music and then wrote a story to go with the music. Mm-hmm. This, they wrote the story and then put the music in. And it, while it works, it's just like, uh, you could have done. S- Imagine how much better this would be if I didn't know all the songs going into it. Hmm. Imagine 
imagine how much better this would be is if if most of the songs you J- Justin Timberlake I'm, is a songwriter. Yeah. If he had wrote all the songs for this, yeah, it would probably have been more expensive and it would have been more work for him, but it would have been a better movie overall. Okay. I think. Anyway, yes. I just I don't like that it's a jukebox musical. What is your third dislike? Uh I'm 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 going to go I'm going to slide into right where you're at cuz the uh the music itself, I'd be like yeah, the music is well done. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, it fits the mood it fits the the atmosphere what they're doing uh i just i miss the the old not the olden days because there again i'm nearly 40 and yeah the movies that i think of is the late night late 80s well, and we grew 90s. up in the disney renaissance so that's true i mean we got lucky we're spoiled yeah to agreed. be honest so to to go back to the idea of actually have writing music like heck you go back to the 1950s and 1940 you know 50s 60s yeah doing original music well, and the thing is this is dreamworks yeah we the, the they have done two other musicals one of which we've actually reviewed on the show yeah that were done very well yeah. with original music because as much as i have troubles with the prince of egypt as a story because yeah. of the fact that they get some of the christian stuff wrong in it yeah agreed all the music in that is well done yeah agreed and that's dreamworks yeah this was the film that they thought that that the people who that, that that they were setting up to make people want to work on, and when they punished them, they put him on Shrek, <laughs> which is still funny to me because they were both good movies. Yeah, agreed. Both both big big movies. It's just it was Shrek that won the Academy Award. <laughs> True, but we we're I'm spoiled. I, I admit that I'm so used to a good musical being able to say, yeah, this song is from this musical Got it. and that's not how things are done. Right. That's not how things are usually done anymore. Unless uh, you actually have, well, if you do like I suggested, like, cause uh, tangled who wrote the music for that. Uh, cause I'm asking you, cause um, you know, Alan Minkin and uh, okay. That's some slate slate. Yeah. Some, e- either some way. Slate, yeah. Uh, I was thinking for some reason I'm. I was thinking Frozen actually. Now that I realize it, oh, okay. you actually had not really pop <coughs> musicians, but they are Broadway. Yeah. It's not even getting what I'm getting to. If Justin Timberlake had just wrote the music for this, kept that poppy feel that he's known for, <coughs> right? Instead of just remixing essentially all the films, so you can tell he did that much at least because there is that Justin Timberlake feel to those songs. Yeah, it would have been better. Sorry, I jumped on yours. Continue. It's all good. Uh, it's just more. I, I wish they would go back to like like you, you brought up a really good point of Prince of Egypt had original songs, and I think it's it's gone down to hey let's just instead of being original let's just you know cover a song make it our make kind of make it our own mm-hmm. slow it down change the beat whatever it's but cheap it's cheaper it's a cheaper form of doing a musical and, and you're more likely to have for people to remember the songs in your film because they knew them before. Yeah, exactly. And you, you have this, the, they continue this format throughout the decades now to where DreamWorks films and Illumination films and uh, other animation well, departments are. Illumination hasn't actually done a musical, have they? That is true. DreamWorks has done it. Pixar, Pixar hasn't done a musical yet. Yeah, Pixar hasn't done a musical yet. But So really it's just been uh, Disney and DreamWorks that have actually did blue sky do a musical 
I don't remember. I don't remember either. I could see them doing it, but anyway, it's yeah, all but it's the point. it's this this uh, tradition of going away from original mm-hmm. uh, original written and, music, and, and you're seeing this on Broadway too. That is true. Be like you do have some like uh, I oh I can't remember what what, what uh Pharrell Williams he did Happy like that was an original song. That or, was an original song he wrote for Despicable Me Two. Yeah, I think it was Despicable Me Two. It might have been Despicable Me Three. Yeah doesn't matter either or but he wrote all the music for those things it's that the despicable me movies are not musicals per se but he did write original songs that he sang throughout those films yeah but either or be like i think it's just there's this uh they've gotten away from the original written music Mm -hmm. and are more like you said be like it's gotten to more it's cheaper it's easier to produce and like you said be like people know these songs because they're already singing them prior to going in the theater yeah so it's a it's a cheaper form of doing a musical and i wish they would go back to doing more original songs and it's just like well it's it's, it's a dying art let's say that it's at, a dying art in animated films at least the most recent disney musical in mm-hmm. kanto yeah at least it is actually a musical yeah D- disney still does that. disney so, still does it but i, I want to see pixar come go back to that if they ever go back to do another musical I know Trolls 2 was after this, and it's yeah. pro- it's technically a musical also. Um, I, I just remember there is another two movies. I don't remember which animation studio did it. I think it was Illumination, but don't quote me. Uh, but they were also jukebox musicals. Uh, it was Sing. Yeah. I don't remember who did that. That might have been Illumination. That was Illumination. Okay, so yeah, they have at least tried to do a musical. Yeah, because that that, was, that became the trend in the, that this yeah, era. Yeah, that, this movie is probably the one that actually started it as for the animated stuff. Because I don't remember the exact. Yeah, because this came out of it may have been Smurfs. Oh, okay. Smurfs did some of the the, the live action Smurfs mm-hmm. movies. Yeah, I think they did some of that too. Anyway, doesn't matter. We need to move on to yeah. our ratings. Yes. What are you rating this? What are you rating? Oh, you're going to do that too. Yes, me. I am. I'm going to flip I'm giving it back it, on you. I'm giving it a seven. Okay. And the reason I'm even knocking it's as high as it is because DreamWorks did a very good job with this film. My biggest issue with it, of all those dislikes I mentioned, the only one I really can't forgive it for yeah. is the fact that it's cotton candy. And literally, when I go to edit this episode mm-hmm. for the release into the RSS feed, I won't even have a good idea as to what subtitle mm. I'm going to use for this. Mm. Because most of the time, I at least have a concept or I'll remember stuff. I'm not going to remember what happened in this film come Saturday. Mm. I'll tell you that right now. I got Because it's that for as good as it is, it's cotton candy. Yeah. Once you eat it, it dissolves in your mouth and is gone. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. I would be like uh, going into that. I'll also give. I'll be like. I'll give it a seven because originally I was going to give it a six, mm-hmm. but through the conversation and just you know the the dialogue, yeah, uh, it, it is it is a good film. Be like, it has some good points, but there again, like you said, it's cotton candy. It's one of those films you you enjoy the time, and then by the time you've you've you know finished, you're kind of it's like, what did I just eat again? Yeah. And it's for it's kind of for it's made for consuming. It tastes good. Yeah, it has no substance. True. It 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 has little points here and there, like uh, our 
yeah branch you have branch's character yeah you have some of the the opening the opening uh uh opening sequences are done very well uh it's just more like a forgettable film but it's 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 one of those films like oh this was a good film but do i remember this film not really yeah so i i guess i would kind of put it where it's like it's almost like a 6.5 7 mm-hmm. it's it's in that it's in that range like is it worth watching yes you might forget the film after you watch it <laughs> yeah but uh i already have my the idea of what i want to do for the uh, cover art and it kind of it kind of goes into the next segment mm-hmm. with a troll in a certain character's mouth. <laughs> All righty then. Uh, next week, we're going to do a personal favorite of mine. Oh, yes. Five Goes West. West. <laughs> I forgot this was coming, and now I'm really looking forward to it. So, yeah, next week, we're doing Five Goes West. But for now, we need to jump into our review of the next two episodes of Rapunzel's Tangled Adventure. Yes. And the masters of the universe. All right. Yes, I have upgraded that. I I would say bravo. That was very well done. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate that. Let's get into these episodes. We've got The Return of the King, written and directed by Philip Pignotti and written by Jeremy Shipp. In this episode, King Edmund arrives in Corona to give his son Eugene a family heirloom. When the heirloom is stolen, Eugene reluctantly joins his father on a journey to retrieve it. Getting the guest cast for this episode, we've got Bruce Campbell returning as King Edmund. Yes. Ron Perlman returning as the Stabbington Brothers. I didn't realize it was actually him. Yeah, it's actually him. Wow. <laughs> Diedrich Bader returning as Stan the Guard. Sean Hayes re- returning as Pete the Guard. Jennifer Veal as Enchanted Girl. Uh-huh. I love how they ref- how they refer Enchan- to her now. Enchanted Girl. Jake Roberts as Doyle the Dart Player. Gideon Emery as additional voices and Keith Ferguson as additional voices. Trivia for this episode. The title may refer to the long-awaited return of Eugene's biological dad. No kidding! You think? <laughs> King Edmund. From the 25-year-long isolation and solitude inside the crumbling home is a fr- crumbling homeland and kingdom. Let's face it. You know what else this thing is referencing? The third Lord of the Rings movie and book. The Return of the The King. King. Very true. That's what it's referencing. Let's be honest. True. Uh, This is the first episode of the series that King Edmund has been to Corona, alongside his two pets, Domino, the horse, and Hamuel, the stupid crow, to see his biological son, Eugene, again after the reunion. 
from this episode onwards, season three has a new uh, opening sequence. That it does. I did not realize that when, mm-hmm. until I was starting it. So, and I actually kind of like this one, really, considering the uh, references, how they handle uh, the fact that one of our characters is not with the group. True. But anyway, what are your thoughts on this episode? Oh my gosh! So honestly, like I was, I was trying to rack my brain. It's like, what episode is this? Because I've already watched the first, you know, all of this, all, all the, all the. This um, is the one where we find out that Flynn Rider, aka Eugene Fitzherbert, <laughs> his name is Horace. <laughs> Horace. I love I love like, How is my actual name worse than <laughs> Eugene? <laughs> but no, but like where I was going to start it was was I, I kept I couldn't remember where this this episode put in the sequence of season three mm-hmm. and it's like oh this is season this is episode three and i was like oh okay so you you get bruce campbell's performance yes. as king eggman and it's absolutely hysterical the entire time you realize we have bruce campbell mm-hmm. aka ash from the evil dead yeah versus ron, two ron perlman's aka two hellboys nice. yeah <laughs> we have ash versus hellboy entangled <laughs> there's a there's something you never thought you'd hear true so true uh this it's a good episode it's more you get to learn that eugene's name isn't eugene it's like horace it's horace and it's hysterical these two guys who can't or eugene can't stand it because he keeps calling horace it's and like, he because he's he lived by himself for so long he talks out loud to himself yeah which is especially with the figgy pudding part was like oh that was hilarious oh my gosh oh my word yeah no no i don't want your figgy pudding i really don't want your pocket pudding yeah no thanks but like it's a good story it's a good story Mm -hmm. it's where it's it's a bonding moment where (laughs) uh king edmund edmund right yes king edmund king edmund be like puts this elaborate hoax to where someone has stolen a Eugene or Eugene sash that he got from his father, like earlier in the episode. And I'm still sitting there going, it's like, okay, this is a family heirloom. Yeah. What is this just like, do you pass this down? Is this like the sign that he's the prince? What is this? Yeah. And, and, and the thing is we never get an answer. You want to know why? Because it doesn't matter. Because we lose the stupid sash at the end of the episode. Right. Unless it's going to magically come back up at the end of the series. But <laughs> we, I can't imagine why it would. We'll get there when we get there. Yes. But overall, the story is very well done. They like You get the return of the Stabbing Team Brothers. And I thought that was yes. very unique. I was like, oh, excellent. They got Ron Perlman to come back. They got Ron Perlman to come back for Max and Eugene in Terror on the High Sea. Or that is- Peril on the High Sea. Yeah, yeah. The last episode they were in. <laughs> True. Like it's like the story itself is very well done. It's a a father son uh, bonding trip where Ki- uh, King Edmund just messes everything up. Bless his heart. <laughs> Bless his lonely heart. Let's say that. Yes. <laughs> but overall, the story is very well done. It's it's a very well executed story. It's uh of course Rapunzel has to go find and figure out what's going on and. Uh, helps uh, Eugene or uh, 
crap. What did, what did Edmund call him again? Horus. Horus. Thank you. And Horus. Oh, Horus. <laughs> yeah, Horus. It's you know Eugene. You know that's going to come back up later. It's going to be a running gag throughout the whole season. I hope so. If only Cassandra was uh, was here to hear that. Oh, speaking of Cassandra, yeah, we do get a scene with her. We do get a scene. It's, I think it's very well done because it's more like it's she's like conflicted by everything she's done because it's more be like we Cassandra get... is still the Cassandra we know. It's just in a fit of anger at the end of season two. Yeah, she got herself in the dark side, and now Pretty she's. Much being whispered to by a creepy little spirit girl yeah i have theories on who the creepy little spirit girl is i imagine but we're not going to get into that right now all right okay moving forward (laughs) okay anyway (laughs) i'm just saying i will i will give this guess okay speculate away this speculation is that Creepy little spirit girl, aka Enchanted Girl, mm-hmm. as she is listed on IMDb. Yes. And kudos for not trying to give her an actual name, considering who I think she is. She is trying to get Cassandra to give in to her dark side so that she can serve her, or should I say, him. Maybe. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. We'll find out when we get there. She's just going to be following in her mother's footsteps. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun. <laughs> but overall, great story. I, I love it that they continue to... Uh, Cassandra's in there. She's mm-hmm. a very conflicted character still. And uh, the the moment where she's looking into the black rocks and you you look at that, that, that look of hesitation, that look of regret, but then... Uh, and, the, and frustration that she can't use her powers. She can't use the powers. And uh, it's learning to channel her anger yes. and what Rapunzel did to her. Uh, I, I'm loving where this this little side plot's going. Love it. I'm I'm really hoping, and don't tell me if this if I'm wrong. Okay, here. I'm really hoping that throughout, maybe not every episode, but a good portion of them until yeah. you know she becomes extremely plot relevant again. I hope they at least have these little scenes. It's like to keep you on like, here's what Cassandra's doing. Yep. Here's what she's having to deal with right now. Mm-hmm. So that, so it helps build the tension for the final three part episode with the Latin name. Mm-hmm. That makes me think we're heading towards the final boss and it's our friend. <laughs> Don't let it go. Cause that's, that's the problem. This series has had yeah. in its first two seasons is that after between the uh the opening plot story yeah and the middle oh yeah we have a story we have to do mm-hmm. kind of a thing and this is i can tell kind of moving into that slight filler arc a mm-hmm. little bit from these two episodes that you you almost forget like oh yeah there is actually something happening right now it's yeah. not random episodes that have that could be watched in really any order agreed i hope they at least have this little continuing moving subplot to help keep you following Cassandra while Rapunzel and her team are just doing, you know, plot of the week. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I really enjoyed this episode. Yeah, this is a good episode. This is a good episode. And then we get into our next it's episode. A, this is a nice... We're in the filler episodes, but these are the good filler that 
yeah help you understand who these characters actually are right but yeah we do need to go into the next episode which is who's afraid of the big bad wolf yeah it was directed by shane zalvin and written by jace ricky in this episode rapunzel and eugene's friends angry and red return to corona permanently they return quickly be- their return quickly becomes a nightmare when the kingdom is stalked by a werewolf <laughs> guest cast includes vivian vincer as angry now known as kira hmm. ruby J as red now known as catalina hmm. we have names for these characters now i do like this i agree they do artemis pebdani as captain creighton Richard Kind returning as Uncle Monty. <laughs> Suzanne Blakesley as Old Lady Crowley mm-hmm. taking over for uh, Pat Carroll. Pat Carroll, who I think her last episode was in season one, but they replaced the a voice actress for Ursula in the series with the voice actress for Maleficent because <laughs> that's who Suzanne Blakesley is. She's the voice of Maleficent. That is hilarious. Uh, of course, we got Jennifer Veal as the Enchanted Girl. Mm-hmm. Steve Blum as additional voices. Steve. Keith Ferguson as additional voices. And Carrie Payton as additional voices. I love it that Steve Blum's an actual, he's, a, he's an additional voice. Yes. I don't, I didn't catch his voice in here, but yeah, I do. It is nice that it's here. Uh, trivia for this episode. The episode title references the children's book, The Three Little Pigs. And the song from the Silly Symphony of the same name. Mm-hmm. It is revealed that Angry and Red's real names are Kiera and Catalina. Mm-hmm. Kiera and her sister Catalina aren't traveling again as of this episode because they decide to stay at Corona permanently, as mentioned at the beginning of the episode. Uh, there are references to the fairy tale Little Red Riding Hood, like Rapunzel saying to the werewolf, My, what big teeth you have! And of course, the werewolf being red mm-hmm. who in many of her previous appearances wore a hood mm-hmm. she did rapunzel's line best hug ever is a nod to her line best day ever from tangled mm-hmm. eugene and lance recall the events of the season one episode painter's block and the series respectively especially since they go back to that place i'm sitting there going oh look this is where painter lady was mm-hmm. i go hey remember that painter lady who, who took us up here to paint that one? i wonder what happened to her well, after she tried to have you murder everybody, <laughs> steal your soul, we kind of took care of her. <laughs> anyway, uh, Catalina is shown to still be wearing the leaf necklace she received from her sister, Kira as a gift at the near end of the season two episode, Vigor the Visionary. Mm-hmm. And the Egyptian jackal-headed god Anubis appeared on a page in the Lycanthrope book of Oh, yeah, Captain, that's uh, right. What's her face? Captain Creighton. Yeah, Creighton. I don't yeah. know if... Does Creighton show back up again, or is this a, a one-time I, only deal? I don't remember. Honestly, I don't remember. Creighton is a very, was a very uh, forgettable character, I will say. Agreed. She exists to be... She exists only to be the antagonist to, that, to give more tension to fighting... To finding out who the werewolf is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to say... I, I, I'm just going to put this out there. I figured out it was read fairly early on. Okay. But you know what the other thought was when I was watching this episode was? Yeah. This is an episode of Blue's Clues. 
because they're all looking for a blue paw print that could be on anyone. Wow. <laughs> Including Monty. Oh, that was hilarious. <laughs> yes. It's like, actually, that kind of makes sense, all things considered, but nope, it's not going to be him. This is too early. It's got to be either red it's got to, sorry yeah it's got to be either red or angry mm-hmm. and considering how red's acting guessing her yeah because angry doesn't really hold her anger in no but red has always been the quiet person who doesn't say anything yeah now i will actually mention this i do like this because this wasn't in the trivia red and angry have updated character models they do they have aged they have and they yes. look good they do I like that. Good. Interesting. They're in the opening sequence, too. They are. They're And they're with Lance for some reason. Hmm. Interesting. But yeah, this is a fun episode. I like the who uh, who's who's the werewolf kind of a thing. Yeah. The whole idea as to why she took in the werewolf. They, Red was a very two-dimensional character in her previous two appearances. Agreed. Kira a little more, but it was because Kira actually talked. Yeah. So I'm now call I'm now already calling her Kira instead of Angry, angry. because Kira actually has a much better name than Angry. Mm-hmm. But um I like how they actually finally gave this character a voice. Mm-hmm. She had a voice before, but I mean she actually talked more and she actually was able to speak more, and they actually gave her characterization. That's mm-hmm. like oh. This is so stinking nice. This is so good. I love this. This is a great episode. What are your thoughts? I'm in the same boat. I love that they 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 brought Red and Angry back. They actually gave them names because they they mentioned they do have names yeah. prior, but they really do flesh out more of Red's character that she's a very frustrated young lady mm-hmm. or a young girl who is just be like she doesn't feel she's heard. She does not express herself. And the fact would be like she allows herself to be possessed by this wolf spirit. Yes. And she transforms in this enormous wolf because she is angry all the time. She's got this repressed rage mm-hmm. towards like everybody else because no one listens to her. Yeah. Which I can understand in some capacities. Yes. Um we all can. Yes. Be like and plus I bark like a dog. <laughs> So the inner dog comes out every once in a while. Um, and yet you don't have red hair. Oh, well. That's true. So close. So close. But so far. So far. But uh, I'm not going to say I'm going to dye my hair red. That's not going to happen. Please don't. Yeah, that'd be weird. <laughs> you wouldn't look good with red hair. No, I, I know that I wouldn't look good in red hair. Ashley probably doesn't want you in red hair. Probably not. Anyway. Anyways. I don't know uh, why I'm speaking for <laughs> Ashley. She won't like that either. Uh, but either way... Um, I, I enjoy this story. I love it that um, that w- we do get this, you know, this conflict. We do get these these this kind of a mystery of who the the werewolf is. Obviously, if you're paying attention to how the camera moves and why mm-hmm. they're lingering on certain characters, primarily red, and it's just like it's kind of obvious. But I love the the mystery of how our characters discover it. Definitely, we go to the. Uh, the, the opening sequence where it's Rapunzel, she's being chased by the wolf. Yes. Or the werewolf or the, the lichen. And um, I, I really enjoy that kind of storytelling. Mm-hmm. And it, it kind of gives you that mystery of like, okay, what's really going on? And then you back, you back up like, I think it was like 30 
seven hours earlier. Yeah, thirty Some, is obviously more more than a day. Yeah, but it's just this idea that like you have Red, who is obviously a very angry character, mm-hmm. and she feels she's not being heard. Her sister, uh, her you know adopted sister, adopted yes. sister, you know not blood relative, but adopted sister or sister uh is basically taking the idea ever since you don't talk i'm just gonna say it and mm-hmm. be like i'm just gonna speculate what you think yeah and uh and her her little speech where it's discovery like oh she's the wolf she's the werewolf and it's like what what you know like what what if it like i want to be the angry one i want to be this i want to be this that like i try- want to be heard and the wolf lets me be heard yeah exactly it gives me power yeah. like what if i want power and it's that that frustration if, you get what if i like being the wolf what if i don't like y'all telling me what i want and i uh-huh and y'all can just stuff it yeah pretty much i'm tired of being told what i want i was like i know what i want mm-hmm. just let me be me yes be like i like the wolf now it's played a little interesting later on in the series, but I'm not going to mm-hmm. go into that. But- yeah, I'm, I'm going to guess that her and uh, Kara and uh, Catalina do show up more often throughout this this season than they have before now. Yes, they do. But uh, it's there's a certain scene that comes up, and it's it's kind of like, yeah, that's not going to work. <laughs> it's, it comes up fairly, uh, I think, in another episode or two. Yeah, but the. It is it is a good episode. It is great character development, and everybody's just be like, "Oh, you need to get rid of this curse. You need to get rid of this curse," and she fully embraces it. Yeah. And then you get who says uh, it's a curse? It might be a gift. Yeah, because especially if she can get it under control. Yeah. And so that's I I, I love this episode. It's so well done, and uh, yeah, that's gonna be my cover. I'm literally gonna draw red you know, in her angry form and then have the wolf form behind her eating a troll, eating a troll. Can I request the troll be poppy? Oh yeah, absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> I want poppy to get eaten. <laughs> poppy will be eaten. Okay. Anyway, yeah, we, so- we do have one other scene, of course, another scene with Cassandra. Yeah, we do. And enchanted girl. Mm-hmm. And enchanted girl tells her how to use her, tells cassandra how to use her powers and it's to be angry yeah interesting the connection in this episode to one has to control the anger while the embrace the anger embrace the anger well they both have to embrace the anger yeah but for uh catalina i get used to saying catalina not red yeah but for catalina i kind of want to call her cat but she's a dog uh (laughs) she uh it, she's got to she still has to control the anger mm-hmm. be able to focus it correctly and technically that's what cassandra's got to do also but i think enchanted girl's gonna try and actually get her to more allow her anger to run wild possibly because of what i think enchanted girl is actually doing mm. enchanted girl i don't think has cassandra's actual best interests in mind is what i'm saying possibly but we will find more about that later exactly you got anything else before we end this the, episode the, the the final, I think it's the final scene in this episode is where you see Enchanted Girl and when, you know, uh, Cassandra is like learning to, you know, control, like use her rage mm-hmm. to control the rocks. You just get that just wicked grin. And it's like, yes, it's like it, it makes you, you think know, it's like, any, what's going on? Any hint that Enchanted Girl was 
a good person trying to help Cassandra and it was all going to backfire even on Enchanted Girl just went right out the window with that smile. Yeah. It's like, much. no, you are the villain. You have to be the villain. The villain we've only actually heard the name of one time in the series so far. Maybe. Well, no, we've heard it a couple times because it may have it did come up in the last Figor episode. Maybe. But anyway, yeah. That's 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 a that's a theory to be proven or disapproven later on in the series. Yes, indeed. A tangled theory. <laughs> Moving on. Uh that does bring us to the end of this episode. Yes. Uh, this has been Drew. This is Jacob. And we'll catch you in the next frame. You can follow Jacob on his Facebook at Jacob B. Heron. His Facebook page, Jacob's Daily Art Corner, where he tries to draw each and every day. His Instagram at Jacob B. Heron. His Twitter at Jacob Heron. And his letterbox to Jacob Heron. You can find Drew on Facebook at Drew Dodgen. His Facebook page, Drew's photo bin to see his photography. His letterboxed page at GGeorge759. His Twitter at GGeorge759. And Instagram at Drew Dodgen. You can like us on Facebook at The Cellcast Podcast. On Twitch at The Cellcast Gaming. On YouTube at Cellcast. On Twitter at Cast underscore Cell. The Cellcast can be found at Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else fine podcasts are downloaded from. Please rate and review us where you found us, and also on Podchaser. Email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. The Cellcast is a proud member of both the Pop Americana and Culture Box Media Networks. For more information, please see the link in the description. Our theme song is Drop and Roll by Silent Partner. And remember, that's Cell with a single L. It's insidious. But taste like candy. Mm-hmm.